Praise the Lord. I'm going to talk to you about some victory tonight. Amen? Everybody likes to be a winner. Amen. And God causes us to be perpetual winners, us who believe Him at His Word. Amen? So in 1 John chapter 5, we'll start in verse 3. I want us to look at this together. Amen? Because, man, when I think about the body of Christ, when I think about people collecting upon the same place, when I think about people getting around a vision together, unselfishly around a vision, that's nothing but an atmosphere of victory. That's an atmosphere of overcoming people who will take over a whole city, begin to impact their whole nation, and find themselves getting all over the world. Amen. And that's who we are. That's who we are. Hallelujah. Amen. I am passionate about God. If you have not been to Anchor Faith Church of St. Augustine, I can guarantee you this. I preach the same way there as I do here. Amen. Hallelujah. We're passionate about God. We're passionate about following Him. And we love Him. And it didn't matter if I was having to just preach to my daughter only. I would do it with great passion. Amen. Jimmy knows because he came a little bit later to our youth ministry and start. But Annie Stafford, remember Annie? Annie Stafford was the only teenager. And I'd get back in that little 8 by 10 shed out back. That's really what it was, just a shed with two doors. We called it a classroom. And my wife and I get back there and I'd preach to Annie like she was a billion teenagers, man. I mean, we just go to town being passionate about God. And you know what? That thing grew. And the more we got passionate, the more people kept coming, amen, and it just took off. Hallelujah. And then Jimmy trickled in. Glory to God. We baptized him and his wife today down at the YMCA, amen. They followed in baptism. And I tried to hold uh, Jimmy down a little bit longer, but Pastor Brian had a lot of grace and mercy or something. I don't know if you talked to him earlier this week, but I was trying to hold him down, and Pastor Brian's pulling him on up. So something must be going on there. Um, but I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. Okay, First John chapter 5, verse 3 says this, For this is the love of God. Come on now. This is the love of God. You understand it's not good enough to say you love God. In fact, if you don't do the next part, then it's questionable whether you actually love Him or not. Now, when we say this, Listen, we're not wanting you to default to Ten Commandments thought processes. Please don't do that, okay? Because commandments are not Ten Commandments stuff. Commandments are not 613 decrees and laws that he talked about in the Old Testament. Commandments, simply put, are his word. It's what he said, okay? So in essence, said, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You understand it's not a burden to obey God at his word. It's not, a, it's not a burden for God to speak to us by the Spirit and us to act on that. Amen? In fact, if we actually act on that Word, it is to our benefit and it will better us. Amen? And so it's important that we act on what God's saying. So this is the love. In fact, the Bible tells us that if we don't keep His commandments, we really don't even love Him. Amen? That if you're going to tell me, He says, why do you say you love me and you don't do, keep my commandments? Amen? So there is a keeping of what he says. This is important because he's the king. He loves us. We're his children. We're citizens in his kingdom. And we are to obey the king. Amen. And we demonstrate that love by doing what he says because we care about him. Amen. And Pastor Brian started a new series on Wednesday night, our Wednesday night Bible study, on the subject of faith. Amen. And I'll tell you, it's a great time. You want to get around this subject because we can't know enough about the subject of faith. Faith is the currency to the kingdom. You want to get an exchange from the unseen realm into the seen realm, you got to know how to operate by faith. Amen. Every kingdom, every culture has a currency to it, and God's currency is faith. 
Faith is what brings the unseen to the seen. God isn't required. He's not moved by silver and gold, and He's not moved by American money. What He's moved by is faith. If a person is getting faith, then He'll move God. And God will send His supply through faith. So you've got to be in those Wednesday night Bible studies. It'd be a blessing to you. So he says that this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. And then he goes into verse 4, and he says, For whatever is born of God, okay, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You see this? Whatever is born of God overcomes. Man, you ought to underline that, circle it, you know, uh, draw a little smiley face around it, because God's telling us whatever is born of God overcomes. We overcome. It doesn't say that we beat down, broke, no good, can't get along, can't do nothing. We just suffering through, poor, pitiful us, wish Jesus would come back, wish we could go see Him in heaven. No, it says whatever is born of God overcomes. You understand, you can't overcome unless there's something to overcome. Amen. And so when you come to the obstacle, again, Pastor Brian's talking about the mountain relocation project. You understand, when you come to the obstacle, as he told me earlier in, uh, today, he said a mountain is anything that raises up against you. Okay? Listen, when something comes, guess what? We can laugh, we can know, we can come over, we can overcome you. Now that doesn't mean we jump over it like Superman. He's not asking us to jump over stuff. He's asking us to speak to it and have it moved. Amen? So whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. Hallelujah. Why? Because God's Word supersedes this realm. And God's Word is operating in this realm today through those who believe. So we're overcomers. Amen? We are overcomers. We overcome in this life. Amen. Listen, there's no reason for victory when we meet Jesus. There's no, there's no reason for victory when it's all said and done because there's no enemy anymore. It is put under, dealt with. There's nothing to overcome. It's done. So God gave us the ability in the midst of obstacles to be victory people. I'm telling you, when you wake up in the morning, you ought to look at yourself in the mirror because you can look at yourself right now and say, you, my friend, you are an overcomer. You get the victory today. You. Come on, you talk to yourself like that. Because you're a covenant child of God. Amen. You are victorious. Glory to God. Amen. You're not a loser. You're a winner. I'm, I'm sorry if you were the last one picked. I'm sorry if you were the one that the team never won. You on the team now, they can't lose. Incapable of losing. Don't even know what losing means. Never even suffered a loss. Gives the appearance sometimes that it ain't doing anything, but it knows all the while, I got this. Come on, Jesus knew all the while. He said, listen, I'm going give to give up my life. He told Pilate, he said, look, you can't kill me, you know, unless you have the authority, and I'm going to lay my life down. And all the while, the devil and all the religious people thinking, we killed Jesus. And for three days, they shot, and we killed Jesus. But then, on the third day, come on now, somebody come up out the grave. Well, all the while, he knows he's coming after me. I got this. You know what? It's just halftime for me. I'm just sitting on the pond for a little bit. But the coach is going to call me back. I'm going to get back in the... I'm, I'm, I'm winner. He don't know nothing but winning. In fact, God has never suffered a defeat. Never. God personally has never suffered a defeat. Ever. Hallelujah. Come on now. It don't get no better than that. I mean, it just don't get no better than this. Amen. And I'll tell you, more people who are children of God need to know that they're overcomers. Too many of them are walking around feeling beat down. Why? Because they associate themselves with their sinful life. 
that they were actually bought and paid for to get out of. <clears throat> they walk around on their feelings and emotions instead of signing themselves with the Word that gets them the victory. Amen. God's not moved by the way you feel. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so um, Darby says verse 4 this way. Another translation of verse 4 says this. For all that has been begotten of God, for all that has been begotten of God gets the victory over the world. And this is the victory which has gotten the victory over the world, our faith. No, it says it gets the victory. I mean, we've just been watching some March Madness. I've been staying up with it because Florida made it to the Elite Eight. I heard by a reliable source today in, my, in, in the church in St. Augustine that they were robbed by the officials. Now, I cannot substantiate that, but I like that because I think my team's just too good and they're incapable of losing unless somebody pulls the game. Anyway, in the, in the March Madness, there are these teams that in the last second, what did they do? They get the victory. They get it. They snatch it. Out of the other hand. I mean, you understand this. They're coming down the court so many seconds, and he knows, I am fixing to drop this. He's going to lay it in, and this means the buzzer's gone. There's no more time. He just needs it to hit and fall through the basket before the back rim lights up. And I'll tell you, there's nothing no one else can do. They can't try to block the shot because that's called goaltending. They can't do it. When he, he leaves his hands, and no seconds are left on the clock. It's either I'm a winner if he misses it or he gets the victory and snatches it from me and the minute he goes to the basket, we're losers. So while it's in the air, the one that thinks they're winning is the winner. But once it hits the basket, they get the victory and the rest of the team goes crazy. Amen. I'm telling you, we see it time and time again. You understand, the devil himself may look like he's got you at death's door. He's got you bit down. He's got you beat down. But if you'll have faith in God, man, and recognize you're overcomer, you get up there and snatch the victory in the last second. Amen. Because God is not uh, moved by time because He's eternal. He's moved by faith. The Message Bible says it this way, Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Isn't that good? This is who we are. We're victory people. We're victory. This is not cockiness. This is not arrogance. This is confidence in the King. Because He's the one who's getting the victory. Our faith is obviously producing this because we believe in Him, but it's the power of His Word that's actually causing the results. Amen. We'd be foolish not to believe Him who can always win. Amen. Amen. All right. So, we get the victory. This power brings the world to its knees. Turn over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Go back a chapter and we'll look in verse 4. Look at this right here. He says this. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is He that is in you than He that's in the world. Do you understand? You house victory. You literally house the conquering spirit. You house it. It's inside us. We conquer and overcome. We do it by mere walking, by being on the planet, by being children of God. We're overcomers. This is what we are. This is what we do. And the greater one is in us. He's in us. I'm telling you, this makes you happy now. Because there's no circumstance that the Holy Spirit can't overcome and conquer. And I love this about the Holy Ghost. 
Because the Holy Ghost will go after dead things. The Holy Ghost is not moved by deadness. He's not. Because He'll cause dead things to come back to life. I mean, say, my marriage is dead. The Holy Ghost is resurrected. He's a resurrector. You can say, my finances are in the tank. We're bankrupt. They're dead. The Holy Spirit, He's a resurrector. He can resurrect things. You understand? My relationship with my siblings or my own kids, you know, it's just broken. He's the resurrector. He can resurrect. He's in you. Amen. He's the greater one. Don't let the world say, you know what, you're never going... Listen, you'll ne- your marriage will never make it. You know what, those relationships will never be restored. You know what, it's just too late for you. I mean, it's just broke down. It's dead to you. It's dead to you. The Holy Ghost can go to dead places and bring life. This is what's on the inside of us. This is what's on the inside of us if we truly only believe. We quote these Scriptures like we know something, but a lot of times we don't act on it. We don't act on what it is in us. The Holy Ghost lives in us and He's greater. He's the greater one. Amen. I mean, we're talking about we are full of power. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Amen. Now look at 1 John chapter 3. We be in 1 John a little bit today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, the one who practices sin is of the devil. Okay? You there? Where are you at? I'm sorry, verse 8. You were, you were right, I was wrong. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. Because the, the first part of it is a little different. We're going to key in on the back part. He says, the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Well, what is sin? We've already described that sin is simply disobeying the word of the king. Okay? Lucifer had an assignment in heaven. He had a place, a purpose, and a fit. But he rebelled against that purpose and fit. He decided he'd do something to himself, and we're going to look at it here in just a second. And so he has sinned from the beginning, but the Son of God appeared for a purpose. And what is this purpose? To destroy the works of the devil. What are the devil's works? Well, his works are primarily... We know this, this is a job description that it, you know, we hear Jesus say that he has. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, how do you kill, steal, and destroy? I mean, does he literally kill people? Yes, in one sense, but there's, a, there's something that he does in order to get them in that kind of status. Really, when he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, really what he's doing, number one, is he's coming to separate them from the Word. Come on now. In Matthew chapter 13, the explanation of the parable of the sower tells us this, that the, um, the word of the kingdom was sown into a person's heart, but when they don't understand it, the enemy comes in and what? He steals it. So how does the devil steal? He tries to steal the word from you. He tries to keep it from you. Why? Because he don't want you to have it. He don't want you to understand it. He don't want you to be around it because power's in the word. Overcoming power's in the word. How does He kill and destroy? If He can keep you separated from that Word, then you're going to die. My people perish due to lack of knowledge. So if He can keep you out of the Word, if He can get you disgruntled with things, if He can get you lifted up in pride, if He can get you outside of God's Word, then He's going to win. He's going to own you. That's what He does. Jesus said, I come to destroy the works of the devil. I come to destroy His lies. I come to put back in man the ability to believe God at His Word. 
I put back in man the ability to want to know God and believe God and walk in His Word so that they can then overcome in life. I come not only to put a new nature in them that wants to do God's Word, but I come to put the Holy Ghost inside them as well. The overcomer. Amen. This is what He came to do. Praise the Lord. Aren't you excited about that? So, John chapter 18 and verse 37, uh, he says this. This is why he came as well. He says this, talking to Pilate. He said, therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are king. And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I'm a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to what? Truth. <coughs> to testify to what? Truth. Everyone who is of truth hears my voice. And you need to hear His voice. And we long to hear His voice because His voice contains power. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 4 where the Word of the King is, there's power. There's power. I'm telling you right now before you leave tonight, you ought to get so jacked excited about how much victory is sitting on the inside of you. And you're saying nobody can snatch that out of you. You have to give it away. You have to lay it down. You have to quit. If you don't quit, you can't be defeated. If you don't stop, no one can stop you. No weapon formed against you can prosper. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Are you in the body of Christ? Are you the church? Is His church. He's the head of the church. Jesus had never lost. So how can the head win and the body lose? You cut the head off from the body, everybody loses. Amen. I mean, Pastor Marcus, if he ran a race and won a marathon, or his head got in front and I chopped his head off and said, well, that's what won. And we put it up. Guess what? The rest of his body's dead and his head is dead as well. You separate the head from the body, there's no victory. If he, and you've seen them, in them sprints, man, they come and they, they stick that head out, you know, and they put that head out there across that line. I mean, that right there is the difference. Which, I mean, they're like neck and neck, and they running, and that last guy just stretches his head. I mean, almost wanting to dive across just to get that nose out in front of somebody. And that right there gets the victory. But notice, that head was attached to his body, which means the whole body stands up on the platform when they start putting the gold around his neck. Amen. Amen. So if Jesus is able to get the victory, then we are in the victory. That old song Pastor Marcus almost uh, played tonight. Victory in Jesus. Amen? My Savior forever. He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. We, um, we love Him ere I knew Him and all His love is due Him. My love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. It's been a while. Listen, did He get the victory for us? So why are we walking around like we... Losers. Well, you know, we can't have nothing in this life. You know, we can't get anything. Poor pitiful me. Maybe I'll just get to heaven one day and be all right. That's not what a champion looks like. Champions are sought after. Champions are sought after. Champions are sought after. I mean, a champion ain't going straight to these players. They're going straight up to them. They want to hear what's going on, what's happening. They're not going to the losers other than what happened in the game. How come you lost? And they just as soon say, don't talk to me. I feel bad right now. I lost it all. Because you understand the second place is the first loser. That's one way they say that. Now, there's nothing wrong with putting forth effort. I understand that. And we want to be good team players. But you want to win. 
They say this, winning is everything. Well, that's a lie. Because if winning was everything, the minute you won, you'd be done. It's the thought of winning. It's the competitiveness that's every. It's the drive of the opportunity to win that drives people. It's not the winning itself. Because conquering, you can get all. You want to keep conquering. You want to keep conquering. I used to think this like the ladies' uh, basketball team, UConn. I mean, how many times have they down won it back to back to back to whatever? I mean, they lost for the first time in like 80-something games. I mean, they, they held the record over to men of the longest streaks of winning. I mean, really, how do you get bored of winning? Well, you know, I'm just tired of winning all the time. Now, we, if they're not our team, what are we thinking? Uh, we want them to lose. We're tired of seeing them win. But if it's our team, come on now. I can't, I mean, I don't ever want Florida to lose to Georgia again. Never. I don't want it to happen. If we never lost again, I'd be okay. If we never lost to Florida State, I have no problem with that. None. If we never lost another game in my lifetime, I'd be okay with that. Why? Because I like that team. I want them to win. They could have a hundred... I mean, they're not going to dismantle their program and say, we'll give somebody else a chance. Come on. The object is to win. Amen. Why? See, God put that in us. And people will sacrifice their bodies to win an object that's perishable. But we get victories and get eternal prizes that go on forever. Amen. When, listen, when we conquer Valdosta, come on now, when we overcome it, when this vision begins to just saturate and go through and people say, yeah, I know about Anchor Faith. Oh, yeah, I've heard about Anchor Faith. Yeah, you know, I've been wanting to go to Anchor Faith. You know, I've been here. I'm telling you, when that's bleeding through and it's happening, you're going to say, man, we've been winning. We've been... And when it goes past your lifetime. Come on now, that's a feat. That's something amazing that you would leave a legacy in the earth. How would you like to go for the next 60, 70 years and then leave this earth and know that the place that you sowed your life into is still producing fruit. My, my, my. I mean, how does it get old seeing someone come into the kingdom? This morning we had one girl come into the kingdom. Amen. I'm telling you. And was in a church. Talked with Pastor Angie the night before, or two nights before. And said, I've never heard anything about being born again. And is in a church, I'm not going to name the denomination, but is in a church and did not understand what it means to be born again. And this person is thinking they're a good person. I go to church, yet that church doesn't even preach Jesus being, being a Savior. That you have to confess Him as your Lord. But something was drawing on this person, and it's saying, I got to move here. I need to be here even before they got born again. And then this morning, Pastor Angie Pro says, are you ready? I'm ready. Boom. And they, man, she's born again today. She's in the kingdom. She's a child of God. I mean, how does that get old? That doesn't get old. Amen? That's the victory. You know what happened? We got the victory. She got the victory. She snatched death. Victory over her, and she got life's victory. Amen. Why? Because Colossians, look at this. Colossians chapter 2. And verse 15 says, when he had disarmed the rulers and uh, prince, uh, 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 authorities, he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through faith. He whipped the devil. Now turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. 
How did he do this? When we get born again, when, when I was just talking about, we get taken from one place into the next one. Colossians 1.13 says this in the uh, New Living Translation. It says, For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and, preferred, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. New American Standard says he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. The Weiss Translation says, Who delivered us out of the tyrannical rule of the darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, she was in the domain of darkness this morning coming to church. But when she left Anchor Faith Church St. Augustine this afternoon, because we go on into the afternoons, this afternoon she was transferred into another kingdom. And is born again. Hallelujah. That just does not get old. That just does not get old. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is this transfer taking place? How did Jesus get this victory from us? Well, in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, it says this. It says this. It says, and Jesus said this. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Uh, something has taken place. That requires Jesus to come to work, come to earth. Okay? Something has taken place. God created Adam in the image of God. He, he was to have dominion on planet earth. To rule over the earth. Fish of the sea. The birds of the sky over all every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The cattle over all the earth. But man gave up his dominion to the devil in the garden. Amen? He ate of the fruit that was forbidden. That the Lord told him not to do. And as a result of that, God then speaks to the serpent and says, My seed's going to come and crush your head. You'll bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And what's he saying? He's prophesying. He's communicating into a future. I'm going to send myself in the form of flesh, and I'm going to redeem man and give him back his dominion. And then when it's all said and done, I'm going to restore a new, I'm going to get a new heaven and a new earth and put man back in his original intent. And so what Jesus did is Jesus gives us an account of this in Isaiah, or the prophet Isaiah tells us when this event took place. He says this in verse 13 of the 14th chapter of Isaiah. You can write it down. It says this, But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of the assemblies in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And then it says this, verse uh, 12, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, you son of dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. Verse 15 then goes on and says, Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you, saying, Is this the man who made the uh, earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? Lucifer was cast down from heaven. Why? He tried to take over the government of God. He, he incited a uh, rebellion in, in the kingdom of heaven, in the unseen realm, and the Lord, God Himself, kicked him out. He comes into a serpent, and he invades planet earth, and instead of Adam walking in dominion as he was assigned to, he turned his dominion over to Satan. That's why Satan in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 is considered the God of this world. He was called the God of this world. That's why you're transferred out of the domain of darkness, a authority of darkness. That's why all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why through one man's transgression, sin 
that's disobedience to the king, entered the world. But through one man, life reigns. How much greater? Come on, how much greater? Through this one man, life now reigns, and his name's Jesus. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And Colossians 2.15 tells us that he made a public display. He openly exposed. He took the victory over the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And he has stripped him of his power. Now, ultimately, God has not cast him into the lake of fire, as we'll see in Revelations chapter um, 20. Chapter 20. In the end, there's going to be a total removal of Satan. In Revelations 20, verse 7, it says this, When the thousand years are complete, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to do the same thing he's been doing, deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Notice, this is going to happen in the very end. There's going to be a total putting away. But you understand, His power over you has been broken. The law of sin and death has been broken off you, and you've been given the law of spirit and life. We have the victory today. Amen. And we can walk in this victory right now. Yes, our body is decayed. Yes, our body's not put on immortality. But we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. He bears witness with our spirit. We're children of God. He speaks to us from the unseen realm and tells us what He hears from the Word of the King, from Jesus Himself. Hallelujah. He's endued us from, with power from on high. And He says, if you only believe. And He says, the works, Jesus said this, the works that I do, even greater works will you do. Amen. What are these greater works? The greater works is not in quality, but in quantity. Because he can act like and operate in the authority of Jesus. She can, she can, he can, she can. And we can all be in different places in this city and, 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 and lay hands on the sick. We can cast out demons. We can raise the dead. Come on, freely we receive. Freely we can give. Hallelujah. Why? Because we have the victory. We walk in victory. Glory to God. Isn't that good news? That is good news. Praise the Lord. With that being said, look at John 16. John chapter 16. Hallelujah. He tells us we've been given the victory because in this life there are going to be things that come against our winning status. Okay? Recognize this. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this. He said, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Cynthia, did Florida beat Georgia this year? Come on, talk to me. Come on. Yeah, I want to know what happened. They won, didn't they? Yes, okay. Here's my point. Yeah, they did. (laughs) 
Here's my point. This is the posture we need to take. Now I'm going to read this verse again. Now I want you to get this in context. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. I know and Cynthia knows that Florida beat Georgia in football. Okay. We'll pretend for the sake of illustration that it was real close. Okay? I mean, down to the last minute. You know what? I'll help you. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to go back a few years for you, okay? Do you remember, um, what's his name, Lindsey Scott? Lindsey Scott. You remember that game? Lindsey Scott, man, at the end of the game, man, he caught that pass and dude went down and just, they won. They won the game. Okay, if we tonight was to go to your house and pull that tape out and put it in the TV and start watching that game, okay? I can't remember every play. So I'm telling you right now, It won't do no good for me to get all upset, would it? For you, you are in perfect peace. Why? Because you already know who won. And it don't matter how hopeless this game looks. It was a long game. It doesn't matter how much it looks like Florida has beaten you this year. You are sitting in what? Perfect peace. Why? Because you know the outcome. You already know the outcome. None of the things you're seeing is causing you any discomfort. Come on now. When Florida beat Oklahoma State in uh, the last championship they were in, I'm telling you, man, they've never played before. I mean, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma the Sooners. They've never played. Those two schools have never played before. Now, I came from Oklahoma. I was in Oklahoma. Now, I'm originally from Florida, but I was in Oklahoma previous. There's people I know in Oklahoma. They are diehard OU fans, man. I mean, they, they, I mean, they bleed red like the colors, okay? I mean, they can literally say that. I bleed OU. And they, it's true. We all do for that matter. But you understand what I'm saying? Um, well, you know, white blood cells, they turn. Okay. Anyway. Um, I mean, they're diehard, and they've never played. And I realize this. I'm telling you, it caused me some anxiety. That there's a good chance in my lifetime we'd never play them again. Which means if we lost, they'd have bragging rights for the rest of my life. <laughs> you think, Pastor, oh, this is a silly game. It is, but. And so, I mean, I'm getting texts from people. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's not the game I like. Because I'm telling you. Honestly, I love when we beat them so bad, man, that they wish they never even came to the field. Some people don't like those kind of games. I love them. I mean, I want us to execute on all levels. I want us to destroy them. I want us to annihilate them. I want them to wish that they didn't even show up. Why? I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, please, guys, we don't want you. We want to keep it close. It'll be a good game. No, it's a good game when you win, 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 win. It's not demoralizing. It is we're executing and you can't. That's the whole goal. Goal is not, I mean... You got to get your own confidence because we doing what we plan to do, and so man, it's back and forth, back and forth. And I mean, I'm sitting, but if I watch that game today, dude, I sit back, I don't think nothing about it. Why? Because I know the end. I'm in perfect peace. Now look at this. He tells us these things I've spoken to you so that in me you have peace. Come on, you got to get this. He's the alpha. He's the beginning. 
Don't you know from God's perspective, He's saying, I know how this is going to turn out. You got this. You, I, you won, man. Listen. I sent my, listen to what I spoke to you. My word can't fail. The minute you jumped onto what I just spoke, the minute you just grabbed a hold of my word, you're guaranteed victory. It don't matter how much. It don't matter if they're filing you. It don't matter if they're putting penalties on you. It doesn't matter what all they're doing trying to cheat you out this victory. You just hang out and say, don't worry about it because I've seen the end of the game. We win. You see what I'm saying? Now, some people put that perspective to the end results. You know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that would be, right? Well, they put it in that perspective. But the Lord's not putting it in that kind of perspective. He's putting it in right now. He says, in this life, in this, in the world, in the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have what? Overcome the world. The victory is in this life. He said, we will rule and reign in this life. So you understand, all of a sudden, here comes a trial. Here comes a tribulation. You can go, oh man, this ain't even worth watching. Come on, get... <laughs> Have you ever watched a game you already know? The... It's almost not worth watching. Because you know. There's really no... And you understand, it doesn't matter what... When that tri- tribulation comes, you go, it ain't even worth watching you. Because you know what? I have got my eye on the prize. I know the end. I know what's going to happen, man. Because I'm with the king. He goes on and says this in the Amplified. This verse says it this way. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distresses and frustrations. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Chuck, we conquered the test this week, didn't we? I heard second highest grade. That's what I'm talking about. He conquered. Last week we prayed, believed God, that whatever the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost would cause all things to come to His remembrance, all that studying, and look at it paying off. Amen? Why? Because you covenant child. I, I mean, you went into that place with peace. You go and take that test knowing, my God's got this. Why? The end result is, I pass. Why? It's not because He hadn't put forth the effort to study. Because you understand, when you know God's Word, you put forth the effort to know Him at His Word, you can't fail. You can't be defeated. Why? Because all you got to do is walk around and say, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Amen? Speak the Word only. Speak the Word only. Speak the Word only. I'm telling you, Jesus taught like this all the time. I mean, he's uh, uh, Jairus, a, a religious leader, comes to him and says, Jesus, my daughter, she's died. She's at the point of death. Will you please come to my house and lay hands on her? She's sick. Will you do this? She said, okay, I'll come. No problem. No problem. And they're in a big crowd. I mean, everybody's there. So he's kind of, you know, walking like this, just trying to get there. I mean, it's just a bunch of people. I mean, he's just trying to get there. You understand what Jairus is like, man. I mean, he's trying to get people out of the way. His daughter's about to die. I mean, you understand what I'm talking about, Miss Cindy? I mean, what world? What would you do, Cindy? What would you do if your boys at home dead are about to die and you know all you got to do is get somebody there and you get to a traffic jam? I mean, are you going to be just going, okay, yeah. No, I mean, he didn't have that kind of peace. You're going to be beefing. You're going to be finding sidewalks, new roads. You coming through. Why? Because we got to get to the house. 
And here's Jesus. All of a sudden, in the midst of all this, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Now, you can imagine what Jairus is looking like. Dude, we ain't got time for this. I mean, he's out of his mind. I mean, everybody touching him. And you know, Peter just straight up said that. Peter said, Jesus, what do you mean who touched you? Come on, man. I'll cover for you. I don't want people to think you're crazy, but... Now, you understand what I'm saying? He said, no power has left me. What happened? Somebody touched him different. Faith stops God dead in his tracks. Faith cannot cause God to overlook. He can't let faith go on him and he walk away from it. No, faith deserves the credit of God. And he stopped and said, who touched me? Well, this woman, you know, who had snuck in, because she had an issue of blood for 12 years, was saying, if I but touches him, I'm going to be healed. And she went through the press of the crowd, touched his him, power left him. She was immediately healed, and she tried to back away and get on out, the, out of there. But Jesus said, who touched me? And finally the crowd dispersed. She realized she didn't go unnoticed. She came up and told the story to Jesus. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now he said, okay, let's go into Jairus' house. Well, by the time he turns around and gets going, Jairus has friends. Of uh, people coming from his house saying, don't bother the teacher no more, your daughter died. She's dead. She's dead. Right? I mean, this is new. Now, Jesus overhears this. And what does he say to Jairus? He says this, only believe. Where's he standing at? He's in perfect peace. He's got confidence. He's undaunted. Why? Because he's already heard from his daddy. It don't matter. You know what? She can go dead. doesn't matter because I'm the resurrection. I am the resurrection. She can't go somewhere. I can't get her. And so he got into the house and he even proclaims it. He said, why y'all crying? She's just sleeping. <laughs> I love that. Now, you know people were touching her pulse. You know people were, she's dead. She's out. They thought Jesus out of his mind. He runs them out of the house. Brings a couple of disciples in with the family. And he says, daughter... Get up. And she did. Amen. Why? Because he didn't know what defeat meant. Jesus didn't walk in and say, well, we lost that one. Right? He didn't do that. Because where the word of the king is, there's power. This is who we live for. This is who we walk in. And it's so important for us to walk in his word and to know him and have fellowship with him and be led by his spirit. Because if we do everything God says, we're not going to get in defeat. It doesn't mean we won't have problems come to us, but we are to be of good cheer. Take courage, One, this translation says. Another one says, be of good cheer. I mean, I wish us as believers would be happy when problems come. Because that's the demonstration we're supposed to have. We're supposed to go, oh, that's nothing, man. <laughs> don't worry about that. I mean, come on to the sidelines and that's okay, because don't worry about it. That sack don't mean nothing. Because, you know, we're going to win this thing when it's all said and done. I'm not moved by that. I'm not moved by that. Amen. I'm not moved by his schemes, his devices. I'm not going to be ignorant of them. We're going to win. Amen. The Weiss translation says this verse this way. These things I have spoken to you in order that in, in me peace you, have, you may be having. In the world you are having tribulation, but, but be having courage. I have come off victorious over the world with a permanent Victory. With a permanent victory. Amen. Do you understand everything we're in right now, everything else is a loss compared to us. Compared to our king, everything else is a loss. Period. 
Hallelujah. Last scripture tonight I want us to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57. It says this, But thanks be to God. Come on now. But thanks be to God. Who what? Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. Amen. We are victorious people. Listen, because we're in the kingdom, we're guaranteed victory. We're guaranteed victory. We're guaranteed victory. We're guaranteed victory. We're champions. We're conquerors. We're overcomers. We triumph. We are called to triumph. Always triumph. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not, <coughs> not beneath. Why? Because we're kingdom citizens. We're in His kingdom. Amen? Do you believe that? 